son comes to the Father, but through him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus, therefore it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Get motivated and be inspired by inspiration for today. Amen. Let's pray to you that Peter after me say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. I pray that your word would be revealed to me today in a way that I can understand it, so that I can speak it and do it and see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to get back to um, something that my wife, Pastor Vicky, Her Royal Highness, the one and only, the beautiful one, um, the one who says when I take her out for coffee, it's not a date, put me under huge pressure. Amen. And then we went out with some people last night. We were going to pay half. And then the guy says, let's go. And we said, no, but we've got to pay the bill. And then we realized he sneaked off to go to the toilet by the card machine or somewhere. You know what I'm saying? And he paid the bill. Come on. God is a good God that provides. Come on, give the Lord a big round of applause if you believe that. Amen. Now, last week, the one and only Pastor Vicky was preaching and she shared her testimony <clears throat> about the time she had to forgive the man who killed her mother. And she preached on harmony, and her key verse was from Matthew chapter 18, verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him and cancelled the debt and let him go. So obviously that was a story about one man owing bags of gold, maybe a gold mine full of gold, and uh, he can never pay this back, and he's about to be sold off, plus his whole family is about to be sold off in order to recoup some of the money that he owes this guy. And then what happens is that um, he gets let off, and you'd think this guy would just be happy, but then he goes and finds another guy that owes him a few silver coins. And the guy says to him, look, please have mercy on me. Um, I will pay the thing back. And the Bible then says that he grabs the guy by the throat. And what he does is that he says, no, I'm going to throw you in jail. You pay me back what you owe me. And later the master hears about this because other people saw this they know what he was forgiven of. They know the debt that was let go. And now another one who owes much less than what, was, than what he owed, owes to him and he's not willing to pass it on. And the Bible says in Matthew 18 verse 33, Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And now listen to this. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now I want you to understand, he's handed over to the jailers. He's not just taken to jail. 
he is handed over to the jailers to be tortured. To be tortured. Until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus says these words. In verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And she then spoke and did an altar call about forgiveness and spoke about how she had to forgive the man that killed her mother. Now, I want you to think about that. And I want to ask you, how have you applied that this week? Sometimes we can forgive the big things, but we can't forgive the small things. You know, sometimes we can forgive big things people did for us, that did to us, but then we can't forgive a small thing. God wants us to be the opposite to the world. The world is in turmoil. The war is at the world is at war. The world is full of factions and backbiting. The world is full of people that lie to those that trust him. The world is full of excuses. The, the world is full of people making these clicks, making other people feel unwelcome. And if we're going to be the opposite of that, then we're going to be people that are bringing harmony into the world. And in Romans chapter 12, which is a very powerful chapter of the Bible, which talks about what it actually means to be a real believer. What are the marks of a true Christian? It says this in verse 16 to 20. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony. So this is not just a nice to have. This is a command. Live in harmony with one another. And I want to ask you in your home or wherever you are, in your workplace, your school place, your university place, wherever you may be, what are you doing to cause harmony to happen with the people that you're with? What are you doing to cause harmony to happen with the people that you're in church with? And then it says this, do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Now, here's the question. You know, when certain people come into the church, then we're all over them for whatever reason. And then what happens is that um, some other person comes along and we decide, no, no, this is someone of lowly position and we ignore them. People that are ungodly take sides. I want to say it again. People that are ungodly take sides. And the only side we should ever take is the side of the truth. And if we're taking the side of the truth, we're taking the side of Jesus. Because Jesus is the truth. And then it says this. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. I don't care what people think, really. It says here, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. You don't have the right as a believer in Jesus to say, I don't care what everyone thinks. Be careful. In other words, take care. In other words, make an effort. And then it says, do not take revenge, my dear friends. Oh no, there's that thing again, do not take revenge. And he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. 
For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. You know what's the most challenging thing as a pastor? Is many times when you sit down and you tell people, this is what you're doing and this is what the word says, they think you've got an issue with it. I know you don't like me or I know you don't like that person that I associate with or you, I know you disagree with me or you know all of that is trash because let me tell you what a pastor who's matured as a pastor learns to do learns to not have an opinion you see at the end of the day when you grow in your faith you begin to realize it doesn't matter what your opinion is your opinion is overrated it matters what the Bible says. And that even matters to you when you read the Bible. And the first place that conviction should come, whenever a believer reads the Bible, whenever even a pastor reads the Bible, is in your own life. The true Christian lives in harmony with other Christians. In the passage that goes on to detail, how we need to live in order to live in harmony, especially with unbelievers, especially with people who are attacking us, especially with people who give us issues and give us grief. I mean, how do you respond when people attack you? We know the world responds by attacking back. I mean, just look at Russia and Ukraine. The, the, this war between Russia and Ukraine, that's basically actually a world war. Okay, America's involved. We know Britain's involved. They blew up the Russian pipeline. We know Iran's involved because Russia's flying kamikaze drones into Kiev and blowing the place up. Obviously, Kiev's involved. Ukraine's involved. Russia's involved. I think in the background, China might be involved. It's a world war. And this world war talks about what's often happening in many people's homes, where you live. I know what you put on Instagram. I know what you put on Facebook or TikTok or whatever, but, but that's not what's happening at home. Because we're not living as believers who build harmony into the place where we are. And it says now, in order to live in harmony, especially with other believers and even with unbelievers, you've got to kill pride. You've got to kill pride. That means I'm safe. Are you sure? I was speaking to someone who's actually doing the work of the Lord. It's a young man. I was speaking to them. They're actually doing the, the work of the Lord. They, they're doing incredible things for the Lord. And this person was telling me they have such a problem with pride. That person's humble. Because if you realize you've got a problem with pride, that's actually what it takes to be humble. If you don't have an issue with pride, if you're not freaking out over pride, basically, you're probably proud. Ah, pastor, how can you say it? The moment you say that, that's a sign. You've got to kill pride. You've got to not think you're better than anyone else. You've got to not be conceited. You've got to not pay back evil with evil, but pay back evil with good. So they do evil to you. So if you're Ukraine 
and Russia flies kamikaze uh, drones into your power stations and blows them up, you send wheat over to Russia. That's what Paul's saying. I want you to think about that for a second. That's the extent of what we're saying. It says take care of the perception of how you act. Take care of the perception. Take care of how people perceive how you act. The fact that you believe you're not wrong. The fact that you may even have verses to back up that you're not wrong. Take care of the perception of how you act. You know how long, or sorry, how often you will not say things to people, even if the thing you're saying is right, even if it's right according to the Bible. But if you're just taking care of the perception of how people see and how you act, you know how often you won't speak to them? You'll have this whole thing to say about passage whatever from the Bible, and you'll, you'll see them, you're, hello, how are you? Fantastic day. Yesterday was freezing in the middle of summer. I can't believe it. This global warming thing is really making things cold at the moment. You know, fantastic to see you. And you'll do that because of you're taking care of the perception of how you act. And where possible, live at peace with everyone. It's not always possible. But wherever it is possible, cancel pride and live at peace with people who maybe are terrorizing you in some way. But the chief thing that allows us to create harmony is, is how we react when people commit evil against us. Christians breed harmony when they refuse to take revenge. We breed harmony. We reproduce harmony when we refuse to take revenge. We refuse. You see, revenge is something that automatically you're going to want to take. You're going to want to get that person. You're going to tell me that whatever you've gone through or are going through is the worst thing that I don't understand and I, I don't always understand. Or, or maybe I do. Maybe I went through what you went through. Maybe I went through something worse. You don't know. But in any case, even if I don't understand, I know what the Bible says. Because I've also said, you don't understand. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written... It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, when we take matters into our own hands and we go after the person to get revenge, if we are successful and we get revenge and we go off and we say, yo, I showed them, that's fine, you can do that. But here's the problem. You do not leave room for God's wrath. In the flesh, we always want to get them. The mark of a real Christian when faced with injustice is when your enemy is hungry, feed them. When your enemy is thirsty, give them a drink. In other words, meet their need. Their response is your burn heaps of burning coals onto the head. Now, what does that actually mean? So I thought, let's just look at the, the message of verse 20 of Romans 12. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's, this is your enemy. This is the person who attacked you. This is the person who did whatever to you. If, if you see that he's hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, give him a drink. 
Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. You will shock him. If you're not responding with goodness, there's a problem. And here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. This standard is one that's impossible to meet. I, I want to tell you as you're sitting here today, unless you are being dishonest with yourself, this is impossible to meet. I mean, we're talking about your enemy. That's probably someone that you're sort of in a state of war with right now. Right now there's an issue. Not, not only did they do stuff to you, right now they're continuing to do stuff to you. I mean, for instance, what do you say to someone who comes and tells you, maybe it's a girl, and they come and they tell you that they are being sexually abused. They're being sexually abused. It's been going on maybe for four, five, six years, and it's still happening now. Now, it's very easy to come and give answers. But what, what does that girl do? What do you do? What are people going to perceive about what you do? What if the girl has been told by everyone in her world that she's lying? That uncle so-and-so could never do this. How, how do you rise up and go buy lunch for that uncle? Because we, we need to get real about what the Bible is actually talking about here. And there's only one way to do it. You've got to learn how to walk with the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12, what have we received? So what we have received is not the Spirit of the world. Okay, what we've received is not the Spirit of the world. The Spirit of the world rises up and says, yeah, have some, have some. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of he who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. We have a spirit that is from God. We have a spirit that when he's inside of us and when he's ruling us, we're able to rise over the worst of the worst issues. And when we enter into intimacy with God, his nature begins to grow on the inside of us. And he begins to change us. And it's something that's got to happen 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Everywhere you go, you've got to be worshipping God. This is why I encourage you, make sure you get up early in the morning and do a quiet time. And make it your aim to have an encounter with Jesus every single morning. Make it your aim to have an encounter with the cross every single morning. Trust me, you need it. Things are going to come across your path. You need it and you need the nature of God to be growing up on the inside of you. Now, the command, the command that the Apostle Paul gives to believers is firm. And he declared this further in Galatians 5 verse 16. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I'm telling you, if you're not reading the Bible, you're not walking by the Spirit. We have an enemy on the inside of us. Every single one of us has an enemy on the inside of us. And the enemy is called the flesh. 
wherever we go, our flesh goes with us. When, when the Bible talks about the flesh, some translations talk about that as being our human nature. Human nature is put up there. Oh, look at the human spirit. Oh, the human spirit. Joe Biden is so evil, but people are rising up with a human spirit. Look there, there's a little dove going into heaven. It's the human spirit. The human spirit is an evil spirit. Your spirit without Jesus and without the blood of Jesus is an evil spirit. Living alongside of our... So, so some translations say the flesh, some say the human spirit. Many say our sinful nature. Our nature is to be sinful. But living alongside, if you're a believer in Jesus, living alongside your flesh is the Holy Spirit. The flesh which is selfish does not want to do what is good for mankind. The operative word there is selfish. However, the Holy Spirit desires the best things for you and He longs to remain in your heart. He longs for fellowship with you. He longs for communion with you. And it is important to understand that faith is always positive and doubt is always negative when it comes to God. Our spiritual nature should feed on that which is positive. Our spiritual nature should feed on that which we're coming from God. And this positivity, the, the godly kind, is only found in the Bible. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You are not going to find it. If you want to grow in Christ, if you want to become the new creation that Jesus died on the cross to make you, then you've got to believe that the Bible is truth without question. When you're coming with all of your questions relating to the Bible, you are deceived. You know, like the, the, the one that goes, you had Adam and Eve and they had Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel, but Cain was going to now be... Um, you know, in trouble with all the other people, but there was only Cain and Abel and Adam and Eve, so where were all the other people? You know, questions like that? That's what people ask. And I'm not even going to go into it. All I'm going to tell you is a garbage question, and if you wanted to come and sit with me in my office, I'll explain to you why it's a garbage question. But people are full of garbage questions about the Bible. And I want to tell you what the Bible says and what you're missing out on. And that is an encounter with Jesus. When you have an encounter with Jesus, the Word of God becomes alive. Hebrews 4.12 talks about the Word of God being alive, being like a two-edged sword. It is active. It is alive. It, it moves. It changes. Every time you read the same verse, God can speak something else through that verse to you. We had the men's encounter yesterday, the ladies' encounter last week. I see Larry sitting over there. And I hope you don't mind, Larry, but Luando shared a testimony. Him and he, Larry and Luando went to, Luando said, the saloon. So I explained to him, he's speaking to an English-speaking person, the saloon's a place where you go. Obviously, there's a very big difference between the word saloon and salon. 
I can't speak Gwando's language, so I don't mock him. I'm just telling him that it's too different, you know. But they went to go do their hair, to cut their hair. Where's Gwando? He's in trouble. I was going to... Hey, Larry, just stand up. Can we see your haircut? There's Larry's haircut. Amen. That's nice, eh? Yo, they did a good job. So they sit in there and a woman comes in and she's selling stuff. She's selling millies and all sorts of things. And no one's buying. So Larry decides to support her. This is often an encounter. So he's all full of the Holy Spirit. He's fired up, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I saw Larry after encounter. He was so excited, you know, all of this sort of stuff. So he takes the money out and he buys one millie to support this lady. You know what then proceeded to happen? Everyone in the shop started buying her millies. And there was other stuff she was selling. They were buying the other stuff too. And as I understood it from Luando, Larry, almost all of her stock was sold by the time she left that shop. Now, one of the things we've taught you, if you're living by the power of God, if you're living by the Word of God, if you're living by the Spirit of God, you're going to go into people's businesses and their businesses are going to be blessed just because you're standing in there. And you thought, what a lot of twat. So Larry now put it to test. He bought her Millie. That's not going into a shop. She obviously hasn't got a shop. He's in the salon. Getting, you know, getting zhizhied. And so by buying the Millie, it's like he goes into a shop. He transacts with her. The, I believe the blessing of God comes on her and everyone starts buying. And they clear out all of her stock. Now, Lawanda was saying, if you know about women like that, many of them are sending money home. They've got kids there. They have to get this money. Otherwise, their kids at home starve. This is the power of the encounter. Some people didn't come to the encounter because some people believe that I need God's power. Some people believe that I need the gathering of the saints. But I want to tell you that God will use those that are willing to bless people in an unexpected way. Larry did not expect to be used by that. But he saw the favor of God working through him and blessing someone else. He saw it. He saw that when you preach what the Bible says, God will bless people because of your good deeds. And he will do it in ways that you do not expect. And those blessings are worth more than if Larry received a billion rand in his bank account. But then we claim we do not have the power to forgive. And it's true. But you said you didn't need the encounter, but the reality is you did. Because if you had an encounter, you would have been able to forgive. Because Jesus will give you the power to forgive. When you have an encounter, things change. When we encounter God, our perspective changes. For instance, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 7 and 8. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on all those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. And all of a sudden you have a different perspective. Even this enemy of mine, this person who's doing whatever. The reality is, if they don't come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, when Jesus comes back, He's coming back with flames. Bringing judgment on those who don't know God. If you don't know God when Jesus comes back, 
there's a big issue, there's a big problem. And those who refuse to obey the good news of Jesus, the good news of Jesus is the gospel. If you refuse to obey the good news of, of, the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you refuse to obey the good news of the cross, when Jesus comes back, you're in trouble. This is why many people will preach so passionately about the gospel. What sin is there in your life that you will not change? Are you stealing? Are you swearing? Are you sleeping around? Are you worshipping other gods? Are you making idols of money? What is it? What is it that the Lord convicts you of? Because whenever we talk the word, the, 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 the Lord will convict you. And if you do not believe the Bible, you will not change. I want to read you a story. It's a story that comes from Pastor Cesar's one book. And it says this, a, a librarian said to the great evangelist Charles Finney, I am a skeptic. If you can prove to me that the Bible is the book of God, I would become a Christian. He answered, do you believe in the existence of God? The librarian answered, yes, I'm certainly not an atheist. Then do you believe you have treated God the way you should, Finney said. Have you responded to, so have you respected his authority? Have you shown him gratitude for the innumerable gifts that his power and his wisdom have given to you through nature? Have you tried to please him according to the knowledge of your conscience? After a time of silence, Finney added, When you have repented of being unfaithful to your notions of duty, according to the knowledge that you already have, then I will try to prove to you that the Bible is of God. But before doing so, it would be worthless. The man replied, you are not asking me to do anything unreasonable. I will try to think about it. The next day, very early in the morning, Finney heard a knock on the door. The librarian came in filled with joy and tears. Mr. Finney, God has done a miracle. Yesterday as I returned to my desk, I reflected on what you had said. I decided to ask God for forgiveness for my behavior and promised Him that I would try to serve Him according to the light that I had received and the light I might receive. This gentleman, Finney says, became one of his closest friends and he was later named the speaker of the Theological College of Oberlin. From that day on, he placed his talents and his fortune at the service of the Lord. If God called you to serve Him, it is because He trusts you. He sees you through eyes of faith. He doesn't see you as you are. He sees you through eyes of faith. He sees you through eyes of what you can become with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will lift you up and He will entrust you with the responsibility of winning souls. And what, what Charles Finney was saying to him, do you believe that God exists? Are you an atheist? The guy, no, I'm not an atheist. Maybe some of us here today, we're not atheists, but you know what? How do I know the Bible's true? How do I know the Bible's true? And what did Charles Finney say to him? It is useless for me to even try and prove the Bible is true to you. Already, the stuff you know, the things you know about God, the things you have received, the food you ate today, the clothes you're wearing, the money you have, the shelter you live in, 
you have not thanked God. You have not been grateful for what He's already given you. You're not doing what you already know you should do. You're already doing what you know you shouldn't do. For me to prove the Bible to you would be useless because you're not even applying what you already know. And I want to ask you today, if you're sitting here and you're alive, I believe every one of you has had a moment in your life where the Lord has revealed Himself to you and He's shown Himself to be the truth. And what my question to you is, is what are you doing with what you know? What are you doing with what you know? Because until you start actioning what you know, God's not going to add revelation to your life. I want to tell you, if you don't believe me, you can come and sit with me somewhere along the line. And I can show you from the Bible that this is the truth. In fact, just this week, we've been reading through Hebrews. Vic spoke about that this morning. And the one point in Hebrews, it speaks about the fact that I have to feed you milk. I cannot feed you solid food in terms of the word. By this time, you should have been teaching others. And if you were teaching others, I would have been able to give you solid food. I, I want you to really sit down and think about what God has shown you in your life already. That you know it was God. And as we're about to go into a time of communion, which is a time that says we cannot make ourselves right with God. We cannot. It is impossible. And we cannot be right without the power of God, without the Holy Spirit of God, without the Word of God that is active in our lives, without the Word of God that is changing us, that is touching us, without the Word of God that is showing us a love that we've never understood. But what are you doing with opportunities God has already given you? 